we may have covered this in the past, but I think it bears further examination. So um, do you buy name brand or off-brand paper towels? Is Kirkland name brand or off-brand? I think that counts as uh, off-brand. Then off-brand. That's the kind of the only paper towels I buy. I forget. I always forget that you have a house, so therefore you shop at Costco. Mm-hmm. Which is, no, there's nothing wrong with that, but you need a place to store all of it. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the, the paper towels are kind of between like half and two-thirds of reason why I have a Costco membership. Yeah, yeah. The, well, and then the, the other half really is the, are the... Um, what what do they call? They don't call it toilet paper, bath tissue. <laughs> that's that's the uh, it's premium bath tissue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Um, yeah, right next to the Kirkland wine. So us apartment dwellers, we we have Target. So just because we need something frivolous to talk about before we get into a very very long discussion, I well, I, I my that's gonna be my really safe prediction uh, on predict it about what we're gonna talk about the Apple stuff. Us homeowners refer to it as Target, but continue. Mm. <laughs> So, up and up, app, uh, Apple's, Target's uh, mm. <laughs> house brand. It's just, yeah, it's going to be one of those days. Oh, that, that's, not the, uh, that's not the Apple services bundle, up and up? Oh, that'd be a better name than Apple, than Shovin' Plus and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so, up and up, paper towels. I, I want you to, just because you, you don't shop there that much, so they have three sizes of paper towel rolls. They have huge, mega, and giant. So, so if you, I want if you, you want small paper towels. You're out of luck. I want you to tell me in uh, from smallest to largest for the roll is huge, me- huge, mega or giant. What's the order? Huge, mega and giant. You think that's from smallest to largest? No, I'm going to say huge, giant, mega. So you are wrong. Damn it. So giant rolls are the smallest. Okay. Mega rolls are in the middle. And huge rolls are the biggest. Hmm. Apparently due to their uh, fixer-upper math on up and up, eight huge rolls is equivalent to 20 regular rolls. However, um, giant rolls are equal. Eight giant rolls are equal to 12 regular rolls. The only reason I bring this up is, is uh, you know how they vary stuff between different locations, like that, the same reason why um, different targets will carry different flavors of Spindrift. Mm-hmm. This is very important to know. Um, yeah, the Sanderfell one always, they for a very long time, they did not carry the uh, huge rolls anymore. And not having to change paper towel rolls as frequently is is worth its weight in gold. So I really, really like the episodes where you come heavily prepared this is not heavily this is not heavily preparation it's it's um me wandering uh, around a target at six o'clock in the evening wondering oh i have to think of something to start the show and then yeah (laughs) my constant frustration of buying the wrong paper towels because i forget which one's bigger than the other uh is is always a gee I i cannot imagine why um so what was that was this just this evening yeah, yeah. So this was a was a spin drift refill evening. Oh, you betcha! Because yeah, that's what I was talking about—the hurricane thing. Mm. Where you know, how, like I don't know, maybe you just go on the wrong day and eat like 
because you you shop consistently at Trader Joe's, the, like there are those nights where you're like, oh, everything off the shelves is like barren, and oh, it's like eight o'clock, and you'll you'll see yeah. everybody restocking. You're like, fuck, I should have come a half hour later. <laughs> you you walk in and go, I'm sorry, did they, did they stop selling baked goods? Did they they don't have those anymore? Especially with the frozen food section, where if you just need your samosas, but it's all fresh out, like there's been yeah, like like Hurricane Andrew's coming, it's it's really disconcerting. And I shouldn't joke about that because California is going to get broken up into five things when the next earthquake hits so mm-hmm. hurricane humor is probably not not super wise yeah we'll we'll, we'll cut that out yeah anyway so yeah it, it, it was it was that so let's let's talk about I, I, I to be honest i've already forgotten the order totally wait oh. i don't i'm not even sure i remember what the three <laughs> options were giant mega and huge it's kind of like uh air air uh, no like i can't make an apple thing um yeah, can we uh, one one quick bit of follow up since I know we're mostly skipping that. Actually, no, we're not this week. But uh, we talked last week about Kindles. Mm. I got one. Which one did you get? I got the Oasis because <laughs> you can't get the. You have to get the best one if you're going to commit to pretending this is going to be a thing that solves your attention problems. You can't half-ass something like this. Aren't those expensive? You Oasis. betcha. How much are these things? I got the 32 gig with cellular, so you can look Please. at that. Please tell me that you got the champagne gold color. I did not get... We're going to get into... It, I did not, no. Mm, that's dis- that's disappointing. I got whatever their uh, nickname for Space Gray is. <laughs> so what do you think? So it's it's pretty good. We'll, we'll, we'll review it next week because there's too much to talk about this week. But I think I like it. There's some, really, there's some annoyances with it. And I'm very shocked that... Uh, I haven't had a Kindle in like seven years, and so little has changed. Um, but it's 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 pretty good. I appreciate having a device where all you can do is read. Did uh, did Amazon try to get your permission to put that on the back of the box? It's it's pretty good, Carlos Gomez. <laughs> um, let me see have if you I can made dig- that deal yet. I have not, but let me see if I can dig up a tweet that was funny earlier. This is always the most entertaining thing possible. Yes. Um, put this in the robot. And then you can just tell people what this is. All right. So this is a post on Twitter um, by James Kelleher. Sure. Um, and it is titled An Erotic Story in Three Acts. <laughs> and it's a photo of an Amazon Echo Box. And it has three examples of things that you can tell the lady in a can to do. The first one is lady in a can play my jazz favorites spelled with a U playlist. The next is turn off the lights. And the last is set a timer for three minutes. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's really dumb and probably inappropriate, but that's what I think everybody needs right now. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Also, this this and that implies that this is either a British or a Canadian uh, box because I don't think this is what the American box one had. It's the it's the set of timer for three minutes part that makes the joke. Mm-hmm. Well, what's three minutes in metric? Hmm, good question. Yeah, I, I've watched enough British baking show where you think I would know that, but I don't. <laughs> Speaking of British Bake Off, oh, so, so sorry, you call it by the BBC name. Sorry, jeez. Wait, sorry. What did what did you say versus what I said? Well, in in the U.S., it's distributed as the uh, Great British Baking Show. But yes, it is my understanding that in the U.K., it's the 
Great British Bake Off or maybe just British Bake Off? Has a different great title. British, yeah, Great British Bake Off. Again, you yeah. have to call it by what it's called. Are calling we, it, calling it what, what was your thing? The Baking Show? The Great British Baking Show. Yeah, that's like calling an iPod Touch an iTouch. Like, you can't, sure, that's what people call it, but that's not right. That's fair. Yeah, I, the lady friend and I went down a big uh, Wikipedia rabbit hole this last weekend because we're on the last BBC season currently. Mm-hmm. And you had alluded to me kind yeah, of private the, sector versus public sector. Yeah, you know? like the, the BBC to Channel 4 transition and, you know, the hosts and everything. And it's it. We're, we're very sad that we're coming up to the end of the Mary Berry era. Mm-hmm. I forget. Is Sue Perkins still the one that hosts both versions? the no the the hosts both well no the, the the announcer the she's the the short-haired girl or woman that's what i'm saying but both both hosts change when they go to channel four were there two hosts i always yes. thought it was just sue and then uh the very nice old Mel. lady and then johnny hollywood well no they're, they're the they're the judges yeah there's two hosts and two judges there's four people carlos I could have sworn there were three judges and one host, but I've only watched one <laughs> season of this. Well, as someone who is now almost done with four seasons over the course mm-hmm. of like a month, I can tell you there's two and two. I so promise. here's the thing. The alternative is you could be watching MSNBC all day. So mm. you, you've made the right choice. I'm going to pass. The Mueller report. <laughs> that whole thing has, we're not going to talk about it, but that. Cable, cable news is bad. No, no, I mean the Mueller report. That, well, I mean, the, the, there are aspects of that that are bad, too. But, but cable news, is, it's just it's bad. Mm-hmm. The amount of... Uh, I think it's entirely 50-50 whether or not uh, the left having bad takes on the Mueller report or uh, T-word Twitter having takes on the Apple event are probably 50-50. Like people are losing their mind. Like where where Mueller used to be, like this cult hero who was going to save the world and be like be Spider Man for everybody and and take the bad man out of office. And now that it didn't pan out the way they want to, uh, apparently he's now the devil. So yeah. Um. So yeah, Kindles. They uh, yeah. So it's wait. It's so pretty did you good. literally buy the most expensive Kindle you can buy? Again, because also I have a bunch of audiobooks I've never read <laughs> or never listened to, so those also take up space. So. God, it's, know, too, it's too it's too bad you don't have any other devices that you could listen to audiobooks on. That's it's a real shame. I don't. I have no devices. Hmm. Um, I have a bunch of shit that Apple thinks they can sell me a subscription on, but I do not have devices. <laughs> um anyway, so yeah, so I I got my fancy new Kindle. I like it. It's really, it's really thin. Um so I I even though the the Oasis is super overpriced. It feels like the ergonomics of it are miles ahead of the paperweight. So, yeah, further review next week. Yeah, I've never held one of the, what's the plural of Oasis, Oasis, um, like in, in hand. But it, there's something about it, the screen being like not exactly in the center of the device that just visually looks kind of odd. Like it, it makes sense why it would be comfortable to hold, but I don't like, know. Like it's it's incredibly thin. It's got a nice like where the page turn buttons are and the hump on the back. Like that's where all the electronics are and it gives you a, like a natural place to hold it one-handed, where to put your thumb where you're not going to smudge up the screen. 
uh, the screen on it is laminate. It's kind of like an iPad, like, you know, when the iPad Pro where they started laminating the screen to the glass, right? where there's like no like air gap. It's like that where it, it looks really nice. I guess I kind of imagine that the the thicker part with the page buttons and where all the electronics are, as you would say, it, it kind of feels like like the center part of a of a real book sort of exactly it feels exactly like the spine of a book which is spine it, thank you yeah. not center yeah yeah no that that's that's the part that really makes that makes it work yeah okay what what's the um what's the 89 dollar kindle i wasn't aware there was a model so they they have a like version below, below the paperweight is that new it it is not new but hmm. they just refreshed it where it has almost all the stuff the paperweight does but for like 40 dollars less yeah. So now I don't know why the paperweight exists. Oh, you know why the uh, oh, paperweight is uh, waterproof now? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, so 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 is yours too. So all that all that bathtub reading you do, you can do so safely. Gross. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this is not a subject for discussion. But I I don't I don't imagine anybody actually takes baths where they can read. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a thing. Who's spending hours hours in the bathtub? Well, I don't. You don't necessarily need to spend hours in there. Well, who's getting quality reading time if they're only there for like twenty minutes? Well, there's some, At that there's, point you might have there's some there. there's some amount of time in between twenty minutes and hours. Mm-hmm. I, I think like an hour, I think, is reasonable. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like there are other ways, like other things that could be more relaxing. Yeah. And it's been it's been a long time since I've lived in a place that had a bathtub that was large enough for me to comfortably fit in. So, good mm-hmm. <laughs> really tell you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sorry, I didn't actually process the second half of that sentence. So that. Hmm. Anyway, follow up. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, hey, yeah. So I, I totally forgot about this, man. This this we, the, the past seven days are been dragging and also so much news yeah speaking of speaking of books well yeah. you know we'll, we'll we'll cut that together so it's a little bit of a smoother transition um <laughs> how dare you <laughs> mike isaac who has been friend working on a friend of the show mike isaac yeah um he's been working on a book about uber he took a brief hiatus from the new york times to focus on that and just i guess yesterday as we're recording this he Set up a little website where you can now pre-order the book, um, which, of course, now has a title and a release date. The title is Super Pumped, mm-hmm. The Battle for Uber, which I think is pretty good. Um, and I, I immediately put in my pre-order. Good. On which platform? On the Amazon Kindle. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. Um, yeah, I... I yeah, these these tell all books uh, are generally pretty good. I really enjoy the way he writes, um, and just because like this is a contemporary story where we all probably read most of his scoops in the New York Times, but getting that whole thing with a little bit of narrative and context and behind the scenes stuff is is probably gonna be a really good read. And you know what? I I think just a way of supporting Mike's work. I'm I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. If I could yeah. if I could pay for his Twitter account, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah uh are you have you opened up mike-isaac.com in your web browser i have it open right now uh hit the escape key oh yeah i don't know i I always like checking to see if whenever somebody makes a new website like this is it on squarespace and that's the easiest way to check and it is huh it's a nice website there you go yeah um so yeah so that's super cool um 
Yeah, it's a bummer that because um, on Instagram he put uh, when he was taking when somebody took photos for his author or like bio, bi- author bio. It's a bummer he didn't have Bruna in it. Would have sold more books. Yeah, yeah. And then this is all you, <laughs> Tesla something something Model Three. So you know we we talked about on the show when Tesla announced the uh, long awaited thirty five thousand dollar base level Model Three. And, you know, there was no surprise that it came out. But as we talked about at the time, people were surprised that it came out when it did, because even just a few weeks prior to the announcement, you know, Tesla was kind of slow walking it, saying that it might be something like, you know, the middle of this year before we'd see it. Um, And then when it got announced, they were quoting two to four week delivery times, which people were also quite surprised about. But here we are, I th- I think about four weeks since then, and no one's received their base level Model 3 yet. And a handful of customers, I guess, have been getting notifications from Tesla indicating that their delivery dates are being pushed back. But then they're also being told that, hey, if you spend the extra couple thousand dollars and upgrade to the... Uh, standard plus plus Carlos um, that 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 they'll be receiving their cars more quickly because I guess they have started delivering those which is just you know add add this to the ever-growing list of shady and kind of scummy Tesla business practices I thought I thought they were disruptors What, what are you talking about I mean, on you know, like on one hand, you know, slipping delivery dates is not anything new for Tesla, and there's there's I know there's nothing inherently evil about that. Yeah, using it as an as an upsell opportunity is is a jackassery of the highest degree. Correct. Yes, that's that's just bad. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's probably it for that. The only other Tesla thing that I don't think. Um, made it into the final show was uh, this one thing throwing the notes uh somebody uh named quinn nelson who i think is a youtube uh personality uh who has a model three uh showed that apparently the model three has i don't i don't think we talked about this last week uh has no way of catching rain so it doesn't just spill directly into your trunk so i so i watched this when you sent it to me and i mean i i don't have a garage um, mm. and most of the time, even when I'm commuting to work, my car is outside the entire day. So I've you know, been in the rain <laughs> a fair amount these last few months in Northern California. And I, I haven't really had anything like this happen to me. Um, I, it, the, the, the only thing that really stands out to me about this model three that's in this video is that. It it seems like it's had some work done to it because it's got like the Tesla badge on the back, which the Model Three doesn't come with, and it looks like it's got some kind of like black strip on the top of the trunk, which the stock Model Three also doesn't come with. So I don't I don't know if there's some weirdness around that, but um. So I was reading more into it, and it looks like it was an early flaw that they fixed fair like uh, after like the first couple of months. Um, so I don't think it still exists on new cars, but yeah, it's pretty lame. 
But also, I th- yeah, I, I I agree that he yeah replacing the. I don't love Tesla's logo, like the little like electricity T thing. Don't love it, but replacing it with like Tesla all spelled out, like like five thirty eight is um no, it doesn't look that good. Yeah, and there there's also people I've noticed who have badged their Model Threes, presumably with like third party offerings, where you you get you get the the Model Three moniker kind of like how like the model s and the model x have it kind of like in that lower left hand corner of the rear mm-hmm. i don't i don't get why people would add that oh i you're, i know you're not plugged into like car culture and stuff like that but uh like adding superfluous badges and like in faking badges on cars is totally a thing that weirdos do but i well but i thought weirdos debadged cars isn't that a they thing do, they too? do both they're like because like there are those weird those annoying people who try to make their car all black yeah right. um or all white where they'll remove badges or they'll like add like weird black badges um and then there are the the people who like will like buy like a base level like three series and call it an m3 and they'll buy a um and sorry m3 is or the m series is bmw's like uh premium like premium premium plus plus uh performance line and people will just put fake badges on it. I just, yeah, I'll just buy the car for the way it looks and leave it alone. <laughs> if you don't like the way it looks, just don't buy it. Well, the only thing that I have seen, which is kind of nice, is um, with the with the Model S, the Model X, and the Model Y. And it's actually was it was part of the Model Y announcement that um, educated me about this. There's this option that those three cars have, which the Model Three doesn't, which is called Chrome Delete. Have you heard of this? I have not. So I hadn't either, but so if if you look at the Model 3, there's quite a bit of chrome, you know, which includes like on the door handles, all around the windows. Uh, chrome Delete makes all of those sections of the car kind of like a matte black finish. And it looks pretty nice. Yeah. Sorry, two things on that. If you do search Google for Chrome Delete, it's not super useful because it just thinks you want to delete your history in Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should have seen that coming. And then, yeah, a lot of a lot of companies like uh, Audi has this, and it's called the Black Optics Package, which I get. Like, I think it's cool. Like, as long as you order it from the factory. But again, the whole thing is like, you know, the, the third party or like post delivery modding of your car usually is almost always for the worse. Like, very few people modify their car, and it ends up being cooler than it was. The only the only two third party things that I've bought for my Model Three have been the little wireless. Uh, charger which was it was a chef special on the show mm-hmm. and then the other thing that i bought which i think you'd appreciate is so i i have the um california carpool lane stickers on my car mm-hmm. but the thing is you, you just you really don't want to put those stickers directly on your car because my understanding is that when the day comes to take those off or replace them or whatever they can do some damage to your paint so there's this company i think they're actually located down in irvine who makes these little decals that are the exact same shape and size as the carpool sticker. And what you do is you, you put the stickers on uh, the little decal thing, and then you put the decal on your car, and it, it peels off the car nice and clean. Hmm. So I did buy that. Hmm. Wait, so there's no like hologram or any type of thing to make it official or well no, i mean the, the sticker is on top of the decals the, the decal is just there to oh. ensure that the sticker doesn't damage the paint on the car 
And it's not just something where somebody can just like easily just like take it off your car like a KQED sticker? I mean, I I suppose this does make it a little easier for somebody to do that, but I mean, well, we live, we live in the Bay Area. Nobody nobody would be bad. No, no, definitely not. They're too they're too busy breaking the window on my car. Have you have you had that happen to you? Oh, you betcha. Yeah, me too. Um, God, I was gonna say. Well, now now I'm gonna I'm gonna say it like it hasn't happened on my current car, but yeah, my last two cars I've had one smashed windshield or not windshield uh like side, 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 window. side window yeah yeah lame um yeah i've just gotten super paranoid about ever having literally anything in view of of my car and even a lot of times that doesn't actually matter no yeah the the time the most recent time i've had a window broken there was nothing in the car no no sign of anything but well after they took everything (laughs) right uh anyway it's it's always fun to make fun of tesla or just because it's it's so easy it's yeah, it's been bad. It's, it's frustratingly easy because again, they're a company that is, in a lot of ways, doing cool stuff. Well, and that that's Dis- what makes despite it itself and it's that, later. That's what makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Like if they were just a company that was easy to hate and there was nothing to like about them, then you know, that would be easy. But because they make a really cool product, but like everything else around that product kind of sucks. You know, I know another company like that. Hmm. <laughs> uber so monday's services event oh oh oh, i see thought you're going back to mike's book oh no i I actually do think the parallel is closer with them for a company that employs people doing good stuff but is also mired in like there's just like this Uh, anyway yeah apple's apple's shitty for lots of different reasons which increasingly i I think we're i think we're gonna spend plenty of time now getting into (laughs) let's do it i i i I pulled a ryan and i and i have uh you have some notes I I do yeah my yeah, so I, do have, I. I have my, my bear open yeah I I've, I've got some notes here it's probably in a pages document it better not be mine is in the the notes app <laughs> so are you sure you're not issuing a public apology <laughs> nice oh my god nice <laughs> I love it because you can because the Apple Notes app has that like weird grain behind it like it's it's vaguely skeuomorphic. And you can always tell, like, even if you, like, they crop out, like, the date and time so you can't tell it's an iOS screenshot, you can still tell their regret was uh, hastily composed on their <laughs> uh, iPhone XS Max. Uh, pretty good. Um, yeah, so, th- all right, uh, I'm going to clarify or uh, preface this with, I, I don't hate, I, I like the iPhone, I, I don't hate Apple, and I might say some stuff that's probably hyperbolic, but, um, yeah, so on Monday, Apple... So yes, basically, don't judge me. Or uh, whenever when I'm running for president in 2023 or 2032, uh, don't don't bring up this podcast. Um, Apple had an event on Monday that did they, even though it started in the absolute dumbest way possible, which was well, sorry, it started in a really cool way. Uh, the intro video, yeah, pretty good, right? I so you know what the so the intro video was really cool, but my excitement about it. Uh, tapered off as the event went on because so it starts with the video indicating that it was made by think different productions mm-hmm. and i was thinking like oh that's a really cool name like what if that's the way that apple's going to brand all of their mm-hmm. uh, original content that's really cool but then no the video went yeah, on that's too and cool was, of a name yeah yeah 
but no, it it was a cool video, but it yeah, it didn't it didn't quite hit the way that I was maybe hoping it was going to. Yeah. So that was the high point of the event, and it went downhill so quickly because it literally starts with Tim Cook. Like, have you ever seen like just like it, this is a trope in movies and and TV all the time where somebody who is like hasn't written a book report or is like trying to pad something out will literally say like, and this happens on The Simpsons a lot, where Bart will do uh, Webster's definition for blank is whatever. And that's literally how this event starts. An event which doesn't really have a reason for being, because it's only there to uh, tell Wall Street about all the stuff that Apple's doing to uh, offset the plateauing growth of the iPhone. And Tim Cook literally says, the dictionary definition of a service is whatever. Yeah, we... We've talked about this before within the context of advertising at large companies where when you see a bad ad, the first thing that I think about is how many levels of review that ad had to go through in order to actually make it on the air. I assume these Apple keynotes are exactly the same way where there must just be layer after layer of review and tons of editing and just lots of people involved. How, how did nobody stop and be like, hey, this is kind of a bad intro? Well, but that, that was the whole event. Like, uh, oh, jumping ahead a little bit, they, they, there was literally somebody doing a, a Billy Mays saying if you subscribe to all these, th- all these newspapers or all these magazines, it would cost you over $8,000. Well, what if, like, what if we give it to you for nine ninety nine? I forget. Like, the exact phrasing was literally an infomercial. So... I think that's just the event that they wanted to put on. Like, uh, so let, let's go in order. So the one thing that, that before we get into actually the, the specific like a product or service in, in uh, announcements, the one thing that struck me as weird about the whole entire event was who is, because it's not the press or the people being invited. So who is clapping and hollering for any of this? So like, because the, the audience was like raucous and uh, like, it's, it, um, I think it's, I think both Gruber and Jason have talked about this and have been asked about this. It's Apple employees. So the first, I mean, this event was probably a little bit different where like the first few rows were like Hollywood people. Um, And then I think right behind them were the Apple employees. Whereas maybe with other events, like the Apple employees would be like right, right in front along with like members of the board and other kind of VIPs, but it's Apple employees in the front. Who are who are doing the clapping? But that that makes sense. But like, and I get that whenever like at a WWDC keynote when they're introducing like cool new features or stuff that developers are going to be able to take advantage of, or really innovative stuff for an iPhone that's like really impressive. Like those types of events make sense. But like people cheering that, uh, like you can access a PDF of a magazine or that Apple helps you calculate interest on this weird credit card. Like I mean. I, I don't know. The cheering just felt so really out of place. Well, but I but it, th- this event, even though what was being announced was very non traditional Apple, the the event itself was like very much and unmistakably a modern day Apple event, and the applause is kind of just part of of the rhythm of the event. It would have been kind of weird had it not been there. I mean, I agree that it's it's it is kind of weird, but it's become just a standard weird part of an apple event so removing it would have been odd 
Um, so can, can I can I give my one big takeaway before we get into the rest of it? Because sure. I actually have this at the top of my notes, kind of like one one big takeaway, mm-hmm. which is literally every single piece of this event was meticulously leaked. There were a couple things like exact release dates and exact names of services that obviously didn't come out, but literally all um, four major things that were announced were leaked within Apple's original content. I think Jason and Mike literally named every single celebrity that had been on stage. They had talked about every single one of the shows you know, German had hit on every aspect of the Goldman Sachs Apple card. Like, even though there wasn't a supply chain involved here, which is kind of what we traditionally think Apple leaks coming through, everything about this event was leaked, which I think just <laughs> further cements my ongoing theory that we will never, ever have another Apple event where basically the entire thing didn't leak beforehand. And it's not just as easy as pointing at the supply chain anymore. Like, even even software and stuff that in the past maybe traditionally hasn't leached to the degree that hardware has, all of that's out the window now, and everything just leaks now. That's probably true, but I, I would probably separate hardware-based announcements versus uh, announcements like these, because I don't think Apple actually cares whether or not this stuff leaks. Like, I think they probably want some level of secrecy because that's still what they do. But again, the whole reason this event existed, that this event occurred, and also probably the fact of why they had talked about it so quickly before, since the vast majority of these services aren't actually going live for maybe two to three quarters from now, is that this whole the whole point of this was to tell Wall Street we're working on it. Um, and I, I will push back a tiny bit on, um, I think Apple Arcade uh, didn't leak much. There was no, a... It, it did, it did. No, no, like people talked about... Um, they were going to do like a Netflix for game style thing, but like functionally how it was going to work and the fact that stuff was going to be exclusive to it versus just being included and you could buy it separately. Like that stuff is, uh, that was new. Well, like I said, there were some details there that didn't leak, but the the broad strokes of this event leaked. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Okay. So let's, let's just hit them in order. Um, Apple news. Uh, well, I mean, they started out just with Apple News, just talking about how great it is and how it's a because uh, it's it's the number one news app on iOS. How the fuck wouldn't it be? It's pre-installed and the, you're opted into notifications whether you want it or not. Unless it, you isn't it isn't it by default also yes. in your uh, notification? Center? Heck yeah, yeah, yes. Unless you go to settings and either delete, unless you delete the app or turn off notifications, you will get push notifications of just what the editors think you want to read. So how is it not the number one news app? that was a very silly thing for them to call out. Um, It's a recurring theme of Apple where they try to act like they're winning um, without realizing or acknowledging that they're the ones that own the platform. It's very Microsoft-y. So Apple News Plus. So they are introducing a... Was this the only part of the day that had a price tag on it? This was the only part of the day that had a price tag on it and which became available that same day. Yeah, so Apple News Plus, which apparently, and another frustrating thing, there's no space in between Plus and News, um, is a service which is based off of the app or uh, that they acquired uh, maybe a year ago called Texture, which is already a, like it was a 538 sponsor, um, a subscription app that you paid 10 or $15 a month for, and it gave you 
access to a bunch of magazines. So basically, they just um, that's now a tab inside the Apple News app, and you can now see uh, magazines that uh, at no cost are included in the subscription. The only like new deals that Apple actually made with this are that they um, they secured uh, the last three days worth of news articles from the Wall Street Journal that is not searchable and is not um, con- comprehensive by any means. And also that they, um, I think they have the um, Los Angeles Times. But none of like the New York Times, Washington Post, and many, many other newspapers declined to participate because of Apple's rumored um, 50-50 uh, revenue split terms. So basically, it's it's the rebanded texture app and a few newspapers. This this was a very very uh, magazine heavy announcement. Like the this may not have been Apple's original intent, but the service as it's ended up is it's essentially entirely um, focused on magazines. They spent you know ninety plus percent of the time talking about the service within the context of magazines and and kind of just briefly mentioned. The Wall Street Journal and LA Times at the end. And, you know, not to be super crass about it, but like what I wrote down in my notes is like, you know, like the magazine industry is kind of the most desperate of all, I think, written journalistic forms these days. So, of course, they're going to be the ones to kind of bite at Apple's um, terms here. And then you have the Washington Posts and the New York Times of the world, which, while certainly not in their heyday economically, are are doing reasonably okay now. And so they have a little bit more leverage to not go along with Apple here. So I think Apple News Plus is kind of just like a compilation of all the most desperate news sources, which I, I don't know. I find that to be a particularly compelling service. Yeah, Um yeah, I I think that's all super accurate. Um, because like News Plus, like I I guess maybe I don't associate magazines with news. Like I guess maybe that's where this product falls flat for me because I'm not somebody who shies away from paying news. Like I have I have a subscription to the Economist, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and something else. Um, and but this but what you get from this is all magazines, and most magazines aren't news. Well, right, and that, that's the other big takeaway for me is I also so I, I have three subscriptions: The Economist, The New York Times, and The Washington Post, and none of those three publications are a part of this. So, I mean, for me, this is just totally a, a non-starter. Yeah, um, and also I, I, I appreciate that a lot of um, T-word Twitter has been putting uh, like links to if you try to like use Instapaper for any Apple News article, it tells you to to bugger off and go look in the news app. And I find that very amusing. I, I think what's I think the crazy thing coming out of the event was all the lack of clarification around what parts of the Wall Street Journal are being included. Because there's been all <laughs> kinds of different information that's come out around that where I, I think this is actually contrary to maybe something that you said a, a minute ago where I think the way it works is, I think the the part about the last three days is right, but then I think there are new stories that get surfaced based on Apple's curation that they're doing. Then that's the only part of the Wall Street Journal that's sort of like readily available. But then if there's an article that you know they've written, I think you can search for it and find it. But the, But it's, there's no, 
like there's no tab you can click within Apple News Plus that's just like, hey, show me the entirety of the Wall Street Journal. It's like you have to either be shown something or you have to already know that it exists and you can search for it. Which is which is that's which is that's bad. I mean, that sounds right because like I, I would like to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, but I just I don't get enough value out of it to sp- spend forty dollars a month, which is what it is outside the promo period. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but like people like so. App, this is gonna come up a lot, but Apple's not your friend. So like this is not gonna be some great um like value bundle for anybody. But you know that's yeah, fine, and I and I, I don't want to necessarily go super far down this road just yet but like you when you and i were talking offline like the thing that i became really irritated with right after the event was all all these you know apple t-word people like just falling over themselves praising the event and i i saw so many people go like oh you know it's like just having the wall street journal alone that makes the the 9.99 worthwhile and it's like slow down do your job for like five minutes and actually research what's what's included here before you hop on twitter and rush to praise apple like i mean come on be better than that apple apple's not negotiating deals that help the like apple is in it for apple well but did, didn't you didn't you see the the miriam webster definition of services carlos uh scrolling down super quickly in my notes um Ah, never mind. We'll, we'll we'll get to it. But the, 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 there's another example that is just so close to that uh, that that rings, and that's 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 what most of this is. That I guess is so frustrating is that so much of this rings so horribly, like uh, untrue. And um, I can't think of a good word because it's it, hollow is the wrong word and untrue is the wrong word. But and disin I think disingenuous is closer. But so much it's like it's just we're we're trying to get more money out of our customers. But I, but I feel like a lot of these aren't other than Apple arcade aren't actually providing a lot of value for customers. It's just someone who has a level of market dominance, trying to figure out ways to extend that market dominance and get more money from users. And just with, with the news product specifically, there is very, very little value to be gained from it. Because the service just, again, really isn't that different from Texture, which if you're somebody who wants digital magazines, like, that's totally cool. Like, I mean, like, uh, that's great. But that this isn't really a news product, and it's not adding much value for people. And I, I don't, they're trying to frame it as it being something that's essential. And because of Apple's um, selfishness and greed, they weren't able to actually sign anybody up who would have brought value to this well and and this and i mean probably the apple card too just fall into a category that's so far outside of their core competency i think as we'll as we'll get into i think there's actually a lot to apple arcade that sort of fits into what apple is and i think makes a lot more sense I, I honestly, I, you're going to probably push back on this part, but we'll we'll get there. But I, I actually think the the TV Plus stuff also sort of fits into that mold because mm-hmm. Apple does have a history of being involved in kind of the the media industry through iTunes and more so through music. But we'll we'll, we'll get there. I, there's more of an argument I think to be made both with games and with movies and TV. News is just. It's just not Apple's thing. They have no history of being involved in it. There's no other part of the company that connects them to the news industry. It's 
it's a weird offering and it's just not a very compelling offering. I don't think. No. Um, so a couple quick notes that are just not really, not, there's no way I can string these together, but, um, during the event, they had that whole intro video, um, that, that felt also super disingenuous. Cause like, I, I, I found it frustrating that they were saying that like Apple's the company that whenever it's talking about like the iPhone stuff, they act like dedicated photography is like dead and old. And it's all about your smartphone and who needs a real camera. And then they're like, oh yeah, like visual storytelling and all this bullshit. And they were um, singing the praises of like the sports photographer and a bunch of other stuff. When every other keynote is saying that, oh yeah, look at these snaps that you can get on your phone. Uh, uh, real photography is dead. That 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 seemed really dumb to me. Hmm. And then Apple uh, pretending like they invented humans and human curation was a, a load of garbage. Like I, I get that everybody's pushing back against algorithms and like kind of the weird stuff that you get to on YouTube and like. Um, that's continued to be like a narrative that people are pushing back on with tech, but Apple's like acting like a feature is that they have human editors. That's what newspapers and every news that that's what editors are for. That's what, that's how you put together the newspaper, like people who know what they're doing, picking things to show because they're important or there's relevance to, to the reader. Like Apple didn't invent that. Well, Carlos, this is the company that invented the a la carte, cable offering so oh yeah they invented skinny bundles and cutting the cord too yeah like yeah we'll, we'll get we'll get there too yeah so that the, the, so those things seem dumb um yeah just this the the, the, the apple news part was the worst um mm, well let, let's let's get into the apple card stuff because i think that that gave apple news plus a run for its money well, so I, I think apple had, news no, no, has no pun intended so Apple News had the least value for anybody. Um, and we probably shouldn't have started with the most negative one first, but I, but apparently yeah, got it, got it out of the way. So can I, can I head uh, before you get all angry about Apple Pay? Can I, can I lead this up? <laughs> sure. So, uh, this presentation started with, uh, Apple again, taking credit for something they didn't actually do. Uh, they're saying that Apple Pay will now be supported on transit in Portland, Chicago, and New York city in uh, the United States. Uh, it's already been supported in Chicago for a year and a half. It's been supported uh, in Portland for about a year, and New York City was going to introduce uh, contact pay contactless payments uh, this summer anyway. So Apple had very little effort there. There's no proprietary chips. All it is is the same thing in Chicago. Like when I went, they just cash your credit card number, and they have a daily cap on how much you can spend, and basically you just tap and go, and everything's fine. So. That's cool. I appreciate that Apple is one of the best people with NFC payments and stuff like that, and they're and they're working on it. But they are taking credit for something they are aren't really involved in or uh, doing anything to pioneer. So that 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 was a weird way to start it. Um. Uh, and then after that, they talk about oh, Apple Pay is approaching, I think, or is projected to do ten billion transactions this year. That's great. Uh, like I love Apple Pay, um, but then it takes a weird turn where their new idea here is that they are introducing a new credit card, um, which is the world allegedly, or sorry, they frame it as being the world's first digital first credit card, where you sign up for or sorry, you apply for the card inside the Apple Wallet app. Um, if you're approved, it, it just gets added automatically. No waiting weeks for a card. That's cool. Um, and that they are going to be um, 
the world's financial savior because there are going to be no fees of any kind. They are going to have the lowest uh, uh, interest rates of anybody. Uh, it's going to be super privacy focused. They are um, Apple is revolutionizing banking, except most of it um, is 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 uh, garbage because. It it still gives you an interest rate that varies between thirteen and twenty four percent. Sure, a little bit less than Chase and other people, but also that's a wide range, and that is not a good deal. Um, also, when they were talking about um, how you would use it and how you'd spend, they uh, made it seem like literally everybody carries a balance in their credit cards, and I I found that super weird. Um, in the same way they kept talking about the daily cash feature where, oh yeah, Apple's super revolutionary that you aren't waiting a month to see your cash back. Um, and that you can use that to, they kept saying, pay down your balance. Like it, it, it was just weird in a lot of ways. Um, and then the cash back rewards that they have are, um, underwhelming, uh, to say the least 3% back on Apple. Okay, cool. Um, 2% back if you use Apple Pay. Um, and then they give you this fancy pants uh, titanium credit card because, again, they're acting like they invented metal credit cards. And metal credit cards on their own are super annoying. Um, and uh, you get 1% back if you use Apple's uh, laser-etched titanium credit card. I think that was most of the announcement. Oh, there's, there's so much to to be upset about here. Um, you have to start with the the interest rates, though, where... To say that it's disingenuous is not being strong enough here, where Apple has the nerve to have this big, bold headline about low interest rates, and then not only during the event not go into any detail about what those interest rates are, Mm -hmm. but then it comes out right after the event in the fine print that those interest rates are maybe a point or two below the industry standard um, at, at the low end and then actually in the mid to high end are actually right in line with industry standard. 24% is like subprime, like uh secured credit card territory. It, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it is, it is willful false advertising, which is, uh, I mean, I, I could go on and on about it. I, I won't, but that's, it's, that's so, so bad on their website uh apple card the first credit card that actually encourages you to pay uh, to pay less interest does every credit i I've, I've seen most credit cards suggest that you pay off your balance in full every month one of the i think there are certain even types of like american express cards that we have like the first card it's, it's a charge card like yeah, if you right. don't pay your balance that that becomes a problem yeah right um and then the, my other big takeaway and this is where i would kind of push back on um Jason Snell's take about Apple Card, which is, for, I I think I get for for some subset of people who like really don't want to think about the whole credit card point thing, mm-hmm. and just have like one simple card and kind of be done with it. Maybe something like Apple Card does make sense. Although I I think there are other cashback cards that are really simple that would also probably be better than Apple Card. But anyway, put that aside for a minute. Like his take was kind of to the effect of like, well, you know, if you want to optimize your credit card points and have a couple different cards and stuff, that's like really complicated and takes like a lot of thought and effort and 
it's just, it's, it's rocket science. Like nobody wants to really do that or very few people want to do that. And that, that's just not true. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who like, I'm by no means like one of those like really avid credit card people who's like always opening and closing different accounts and like transferring miles from here to there. Like I'm not really doing any of that stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not the points guy. I'm not like reading his blog every day. <laughs> it's literally the website I have open. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I do follow him on Instagram and I really, he's, he's, he's a very good follow on Instagram. Is he a travel blogger? No, no, not really. But he does have some really interesting travel tidbits and stuff. He, I, I, I would recommend following him. He's, he's really <laughs> good. Um, but I am someone who has, you know, four or five uh, award credit cards that I use for different things. And, you know, like I've got a couple of the Chase ones that all roll up into that Chase Ultimate Rewards program. Um, and I know like a, one particular card I have that's like better at restaurants, like some very just high level stuff that takes an hour or two to kind of think through. It's not, it's not that complicated. It's really not. Um, so, and again, again, like I'm not, I'm not saying it that's for everybody, but I, I think to just like outright dismiss that as being this like overly complicated option and that Apple something like Apple card needs to come in and simplify everything is it's not giving people enough credit. I don't think. Yeah. I, I waffle on this idea because like there are some really straightforward cards. Like I think um, Chase has one called freedom unlimited where it's just 2% cash back on just everything. Like there's no nonsense. That's a good one. And those, and those chase points are, very very good very well and and here's the thing you get all purpose points and not to get all the points guy about it is that if you have different cards that redeem at different rates you have the option of transferring your ultimate rewards points from yes a card to like the reserve card that allows you to cash them out at a much higher rate right but again i i understand that so maybe that's his example that that's not something most people should like most people don't want to work for their money like i get that and i do think that what i just the sentence i said sounds like i don't get it but i do but like the cards that have fair and straightforward reward systems are like totally exist. So Apple's not doing anything revolutionary here. The one part that I will say that Apple is doing well here is I think no, no matter who does it, like I mean, like I know Chase put a ton of work into the reserve card to get millennials on board and stuff like that, and their app still kind of sucks. Like that is the one thing about this that seems good is that um, Apple is trying to find a way to actually. Since, like since so much of our spend and also uh, the way we manage our finances is frequently on mobile devices, having an app that's actually super functional at looking uh, looking at um, your transaction history and where stuff occurred and uh, helping you like make payments and stuff like that, like I think that makes a ton of sense and that is actually one thing that's really cool about this. Yeah, but can I but can I tell you the negative side of that? The fact that it's another way to lock you into iOS. Right. Oh, you betcha. And nobody talked about that, that you're going to close your revolving credit account if you get an Android phone? <laughs> there, there was no, there's no reason why Apple couldn't have gone to their credit card merchants and worked with them on their integration with the wallet app and made very similar features, just a standard part of any credit card that of you course. add to Apple Wallet. There was, there was no need to make the easier to read transactions and statements and the, and the way that it organizes your purchases and totals them up and everything. There was no reason why that had to be an Apple card exclusive. So I agree it's a neat feature, but 
Apple should have just made that a standard part of the wallet app across all cards that you have in your wallet. Uh, can I give you um, a quick example of how Apple is also doing something bad here? Um, so Apple no longer, ever since they announced that they were going to do their own credit card, they have made it so that you can no longer fund Apple Pay uh, cash payments using any other card. Great. So, yeah, so they, and that's the theme of a lot of the stuff. And again, I apologize for being so negative. I, I don't hate Apple. But the, the, uh, but rent-seeking Apple uh, is the part that frustrates me because it's so Microsoft-y and uh, very few people seem to care that they are just basically using their dominant market position to roll out features and with and similar to the Spotify thing, withhold a lot of features for the purpose of uh, benefiting the... Um, like they give every single product that they have. They get like uh, what's what's the uh, international relations term? Uh, like most favored nation. Yeah, most favored yeah, nation. Status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's everything Apple now. Like uh, so many features are like you're like oh that's really great, and then the next follow up thought is oh yeah that could probably apply to everybody, but it won't. So yeah, so this card. I mean, uh, let me find the link while I'm talking. But uh, so they partnered with Goldman Sachs. Uh, one of America's most favorite brands. Um, and also, I love that somebody uh, put this, um, or in the suite, and you can put a link in the notes. But also, I love how this slide is probably so insanely carefully worded. Because otherwise, like, w what is anybody getting from this? Apple keeps talking about, like, this is like a privacy-forward credit card. And I get that. And I know that most of the big banks will sell in aggregate um uh, semi-anonymized uh, transaction history to find uh, different ways for people to market to you. But like, how would you ever dispute, like if Apple truly doesn't know what you're buying and Goldman Sachs like is, is a very limited partner, like I think they're overstating the privacy angle because how on earth would you issue a chargeback or actually like research transaction history if absolutely everything is on device and they don't have, and like nobody has any of your transaction history? So I think from the privacy angle, there's probably a lot of stuff that's not actually uh, being said there. Um, and yeah, like a lot of, I don't know, like a lot of these are just neat software features that other people are doing to a degree. Like um, Citibank for like a decade has had like virtual card numbers that you can create. Um, if you don't have a bank that supports that, there's a website um, called privacy.com that allows you to link like ACH transfers from your checking account and create um, virtual credit cards online whenever you maybe want to sign up for a service and you're not sure that they are like the most reputable with like handling your stuff or you don't want or you want to have a specific card per merchant so that way if Spotify gets hacked or something, you don't have to go change your credit card in like 50 different places for every subscription that you have. Like people in, in, in Europe, like I think Mike even made this point on Upgrade, like there are a whole ton of like fintech startups that are doing cool stuff with software. Um, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure this is that revolutionary. I don't know. Like, it, it, you know, yeah. I think I'm, I'm done ranting about Apple card. I don't have anything nice to say. It's not that. So, um, another tweet that I don't have access to right now, but the gist of it was somebody had a thing where, um, they had a picture of Steve Jobs. They had that famous Steve Jobs quote. I, I'll, I'll go find it. And I'll send it to you. While oh, like, I, talk about I, I saw that. It's the. It was the. You know, I forget what the, what the quote was. It was. It was the stay like stay curious or something. 
and then it was, and it, or no, it was a list of stuff to do. And the second one was uh, launch a uh, partnership credit card with Goldman Sachs. <laughs> right. Like, this isn't a thing Apple needs to do. It doesn't speak to the stuff that they do extremely well. It's not, and like, I guess the thing that that bugs me the, like about all this, and and the response to it is like. Most people love Apple because they make outstanding software and they make uh, hardware products that move the world forward and maybe show you how to uh, show you new things. And like the iPhone helped people rethink what a phone could be. And sure, Android copied most of it. And, and now we are where we are. But like there's they're doing new things. But th- a lot of this stuff is basically just being like making new products is hard. So we're just going to we think. As a public company, we need to keep growing. So we're just going to do other ancillary stuff that doesn't speak to that at all and isn't really meaningful. And we're just going to make that because that's a way to make more money. Um, because like Apple News isn't like I, I just can't think of how to how to how to phrase it. Where it's just not um, a product that only Apple can do. Like that could totally be something that a third party is doing. Like hell, texture, like the company they acquired, texture was doing it. Like so much of the stuff is not, it doesn't speak to Apple's core competencies. And if you link to the article that Ben Thompson wrote on Stratechery, like so much of this is literally Apple just aping other people's business models. And they're just doing other stuff and they're hoping that their dominant market position makes them a lot of money for it because just the the by virtue of being the default, you just have this insurmountable lead on all this stuff. But like who five years ago, like would you have thought like Apple was going to introduce a credit card just because they were a company that was of a size that just now wants to skim transaction fees? Like that's, that's, that just seems like a business model, like a, like a, a business segment that like doesn't feel great for anybody. Like, and, and people are happy that, like this is going to make Apple tons of money, like great. But as somebody who's a fan of technology, like I, I, I can't reconcile being super happy with the fact that Apple's next big thing is being a financial transaction middleman. Like it just, it, maybe I, I'm wrong about what most people like Apple for, but that's not, that's not why I like Apple. Well, the the thing that's looming over this entire event and sort of Apple's entire last 12 to 18 months has been, and it, it seems so obvious in retrospect, that the crazy growth of the iPhone was never sustainable. They, there was just only a certain addressable market, and Apple actually kind of elongated that growth period through kind of holding back bigger size phones, you know, having a lot of pent up demand there. But eventually they were going to kind of run out of tricks to continue the type of iPhone growth that we saw, you know, in 2010, 2011, et cetera. And, you know, we also knew that Apple wasn't really pushing the boundaries in any other kind of hardware segment. I mean, we had the iPad in 2010, and there kind of arguably hasn't really been another big product category since then. We, we've really just seen what I would classify more as just accessories with like 
the Apple Watch and the Apple TV. They haven't really, and we've talked about this a ton on the show with, with their existing product lines too. They've they've been kind of stagnant with with what they've done in a lot of ways on the hardware front, um, and on the software front, honestly. So it, it it should have been kind of obvious that like when they got to this point where iPhone growth was going to taper off and they needed to find a way to appease growth hungry investors because they didn't really have a true next big thing, they were going to have to resort to gimmicky stuff like this. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Is it like if Apple just wanted to like continue just having an iPhone that sells in very, very large quantities, but isn't really a growing business. Like Apple, like wouldn't die as a company. Well, no, of course not. Like, but like it, 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 but it would. Wouldn't it just become like? Well, sorry, GE of the '90s, not GE of today. I know they're having a lot of trouble, but like, you're like a, a business can be a gigantic business and not have fifteen to thirty percent quarter on quarter growth, and that doesn't mean the company is now worthless. No, of, of course not. But I think like a, a difference with. So, like, Microsoft is a company that you've brought up a couple of times. And one thing companies like them and HP, I think, is another good example of this, is while a lot of their consumer-facing businesses have largely matured and growth has quite dramatically slowed there, they have all these other lines of business kind of specific to the enterprise that we don't really think about much on the consumer side that have actually continued to grow quite rapidly and makes and make investors really happy. Well, yeah, every single bit of Microsoft's growth and resurgence over the past five years is immediately related to Azure, exactly, and, and all the backend stuff. And and they have actually done really well at pivoting to a subscription business model similar to Adobe, where all, like all the strength, like even though Windows, it, which was the entirety of the company um, in the '90s, is now like basically a blip on their financial statements. And like they've managed to pivot and turn Office 365 into a gigantic cash cow on top of the enterprise cloud services. Like it's all that recurring revenue, which is what App, which Apple wants, sort of, but they're doing it in in a sleazy way. Well, and and they're doing it in a um, responsive way as opposed to a proactive way. That is brilliant, or like, or that that is dead on. Because none of these that, that 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 encapsulates this perfectly, where none of these products are new or novel or something that only Apple could do. They're just things that have been created because they're things that they are likely to succeed in and are responsive to a need of uh, the iPhone growth slowed down quicker than we thought it would be. Asia is a trickier market than we thought it would be, so we need literally anything that will get us recurring revenue. And that's why these products exist. These these didn't exist because they were the best that Apple could do, or that Apple could do them remarkably differently. Responsive is the absolute perfect word for that. And the other thing too is, unlike Azure, which is something that was and is quite new and has just an absolute ton of value to its users, I don't really think that. Apple through any of these services, maybe with the exception of Apple Arcade, which we're going to get to next, provides a lot of value or provides something that already isn't out there in the market. Which again, I which I think I think goes back to the idea that these are all kind of half-baked ideas that are reacting to a financial need that Apple has as opposed to being developed 
through a more sort of, I don't know, wholesome process. Exactly. Exactly. Bravo. Let's end the show. Like that, 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 like so perfectly stated again, none of this needs to actually happen. These, these are pro these are services created out of desperation slash necessity, not because there's some idealistic or novel reason for them to exist. Same reason why I've always been really like, I've been incredibly critical of Apple music because it's, it's a product that they're only doing because it's an easy way to make money. It's a product that's commoditized and um, the same for literally everybody. And they can abuse their dominant position and make it so that app store rules don't apply to them and they can uh, push competitors out of business. Oh, what else do we have here? Sorry. So with Apple Card, um, uh, people cheering for a credit card, that's very dystopian. Um, it's the most financially healthy credit card ever introduced. That was bad. Um, I did think closing financial rings. I, I like I, the visual metaphor of the credit card app. I thought was kind of cool. Kind of it, like it was neat. Um, and then the, I guess the thing where we'll end on, uh, you get the th <laughs> you get three percent cash back on a company that insists on making forty percent margins on all the shit they sell you. That was rich. <laughs> like I, I almost did, uh, turned off the TV at that point. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's move on to something that I, I get the impression that we actually both think was the one positive takeaway from this event, or one positive thing that was announced at this event. So we'll kind of sandwich this in amongst all the negative stuff, uh, which is Apple Arcade, which I actually think is a really interesting service that had a good story to tell and completely the opposite of what we were just talking about with Apple Card and Apple News Plus and kind of like what I suspect we're going to talk about with the new TV app. Apple Arcade is addressing a very clear need in the market and it's going to end up providing a lot of value, I think, to both developers and consumers. And I, that this is the part that you alluded to earlier where, and that this, because this is the part that really didn't leak out ahead of time, which is, you know, Apple Arcade isn't this service, which maybe given the money grabbing nature of some of this other stuff that Apple's announcing, you would kind of assume it would be where this isn't like some subscription service where you get in-game currency to buy a bunch of stuff in mainstream games or something like that. Like that's, that's something that's already kind of out in the market and people know about and use. But one of the, the big segments of the gaming industry that gets missed frequently are these sort of small to mid-size frequently independently developed games that don't really fit into like an in-game currency type model or like in-game subscription model like they're games that are truly meant to be five ten fifteen dollar standalone games where it's it's just hard to get exposure in the app store and to be fair to Apple, it's it's hard to get exposure on other platforms like Steam, as an example. And people have just sort of gotten out of the mindset of of paying five or ten dollar standalone purchases for games. And so as a result, a lot of really high quality content just sort of goes unnoticed and, and gets missed. And I think it's it's smart for Apple to come in and support that style of game 
Yeah, this isn't just a a money grab to attach themselves to Fortnite or, or Call of Duty or something, which kind of tends to suck the oxygen out of most of the video game industry. But Apple's trying to um, not prop up because that that's that kind of has a negative connotation, and I, and I certainly don't mean it that way. But they're they're trying to, I guess, sort incubate. Of, yeah, that, there we go. They're trying to incubate. Again, a part of the industry that has some really good stuff that just has kind of gotten squeezed out of the market. Yeah, I, I think you summed up most of it. I will, to turn it negative, no. Uh, the only part of this that does bum me out a little bit is that um, this kind of means if you're not one of these like Apple-backed developers, it's going to be really, really hard to sell your game now. Mm-hmm. Just because if you... Like if I'm some like because I, I I bought both versions of Monument Valley, um, like th- there's there's a class of game that in the past has sold for like between five and eight dollars on the App Store usually, um, that's not like some like buy more coins and you can Candy Crush this or whatever, like those games if, if that's the type of high quality game that's going to be in this thing, um. And those developers for Monument Valley and also um, the Alto Odyssey and Alto's Adventure series, they are part of this. So it just sucks that um, new game studios probably will have an extremely hard time uh, getting off the ground just because they won't be in this bundle. So therefore, people who are already paying $10 a month or how... Oh, sorry, this doesn't have a price. (laughs) Uh, Or does it? No, it doesn't. No, 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 no price, no firm release date yet. Like the the people who are paying probably the ten to fifteen dollars a month this costs um, probably won't. Re- there's going to be enough good stuff there that they they won't spend the seven dollars on whatever the new thing is. So I mean, I know that's not really Apple's problem, but that is the only part of this that that's kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, on, on the surface, uh, like the, uh, as a whole, like I don't play games much, but I think this is probably the most coherent part. Uh, and the 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 thing that actually speaks to apple's dna and apple's core competencies where they're actually going to do something that's good like i think like again don't play games but i think steam has probably been good for the games industry and i know that like their game serving platform is not necessarily a good analog to this but like certain companies do probably help the overall health of uh like the games ecosystem and apple finding a way to help ensure that there's good high quality content in this space. That's not all like, um, free to play or like, um, just electronic arts, like full of DLC stuff. Like, I think that's probably a good thing. Um, so that's why this is probably the best part of like, this is the service that actually has value. Yeah. I I'm really, um, I'm really excited to see to more about this and to, not only see the initial lineup of games, but then also to sort of see um, how the service evolves over time. Because they did make it a point to say that new games are going to be added to the service every month. So I'm going to be curious to see the types of games and the number of games that continue to get added to the service. And to your earlier point, what the impact is going to be on games that aren't a part of this service. Yeah. Um... I got nothing else. Cool. And I like the name. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Not only was this kind of the one feel-good service, but it was also the one service that actually had a a clever name. Mm -hmm. 
All right, and so then back, Apple TV. Back, back to the negative oh. stuff. <laughs> well, so this, um, honestly, I fast-forwarded almost all of it. Like, after Steven Spielberg talking for, like, five minutes about how he loves Apple, um, even though he hates stuff uh, on Netflix. Well, so um, you're, you're skipping ahead, though. What did I skip? What did I miss? Well, so the the one... So leading up to the event, there was a lot of confusion around kind of what Apple's TV service was going to be. And most people sort of referred to it as being this like singular thing, which was going to somehow incorporate like Apple's content, but then also other people's content. And there was a lot of confusion around like, well, this, this stuff was going to be free, but then this stuff was going to be paid. And there was, but there might be like this one overarching fee that you could pay for various stuff. And actually, it's two very different things that Apple's offering. There's a revamped Apple TV app with uh, channels. So kind of channels is, is the, the one new thing. And then Apple TV Plus, which is Apple's original content, is the other thing. And they both just happen to live within this new TV app. So whereas all the kind of speculation, I think, sort of bundled together channels and Apple TV Plus, they ended up being two very different things that sort of had two different segments in the in the presentation that, again, were sort of lumped together in the, the TV app umbrella. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the summary of this could be that just Apple took Amazon's business model. Like, it, their entire presentation is Amazon Prime Video. Because it has two components, it either it has their um, their in-house produced stuff, their their originals in in Amazon language, and then channels where they get to be the middlemen uh, to bring other people's content onto it, and then they can again, like Apple Card, like everything else, they can skim something off the top, they can rent seek. So the channels thing is, yeah, it's it's the most straightforward part of this, where inside of the TV app, um, you can easily subscribe to um, a premium video provider uh like showtime or stars or any of these services or espn plus um also ESPN, espn plus not terribly useful unless you have a cable subscription there's very very little on it that's actually worth watching if you if you subscribe to that um but yeah so you can easily subscribe to that because apple has kind of uh reversed and, and it's and i appreciate that they've admitted that they were wrong sort of even though they don't say it that like the future of tv wasn't apps now it is a single app and they are going to be the conduit to get to other content, and all of that stuff will just flow into a single application. So instead of having to go to the HBO now, actually, is HBO part of this? Did we get clarification on that? I think they are, yeah. It's yeah. so like instead of having to go to the Showtime app or the AMC app or any of that kind of stuff, you can subscribe inside the TV app, and um, it looks well-designed, um, where all that content just kind of flows easily in and out. Um, where you can kind of uh, easily catch up on new recommendations because, again, Apple is leaning into the fact that they invented humans and it's human-curated and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the app looks good, um, and Channels makes a lot of sense in terms of reducing um, payment friction and the ability to sign up for new services and that kind of stuff where you don't get like dumped out into the App Store um, to go because you wanted to watch billions on Showtime, and then it's like, oh, you, you need to enter payment info and you need to sign up for a Showtime.com account, stuff like that. Like, it, it's just a couple of clicks, and or whatever you'd call what you do with the Siri remote, and that's it. So that part made the most sense of any of this. And again, it does speak to new middleman Apple, but, I mean, 
this this it, it seems much better than them like making their own TV shows. I mean, yeah, a, a lot of people were uh, kind of quick to to poke fun at the fact that you know Apple was like real big on the idea of the future of TV as apps, and now they're kind of backtracking on that, and now the future of TV is a single app that has all these different channels in it. But but it it is legitimately a much better experience, and I I don't I'm never going to have a problem with a company sort of acknowledging that this is like what happened with the Apple Watch, right? Where the original vision for that was misguided and kind of focused on the wrong things. But to their credit, Apple was like pretty quick to figure that out and completely change the focus of that device. And that and that's a good thing. It's, it's good to admit when you're wrong. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, yes, although Apple never admits that they're wrong. They just pretend like uh, they found a better way to do something. <laughs> well, fair. Um, but the, the, one, the, the one thing that, I, that really did just fall apart for me in this part of the event was, so as they started talking about channels, the way that they framed it was, this is kind of the you know, this is the a la carte vision of TV, which as we joked earlier, they, they kind of pretended like they were almost inventing, but they're like, yeah, the, the, you know, people, you know, people who want everything, sure, you can go out and, and get a cable subscription and get everything, but lots of people don't want that. And they kind of want to pick and choose the content they want to subscribe to. And for those people, we have channels, but then they went on and gave a handful of examples where a cable subscription was required, namely when they were talking about live sports. So it's, it's, you, you, you can't have it both ways there. You can't say, hey, this is an alternative to your cable subscription, but then also say, oh, but actually like big components of this rely on you having a cable subscription because I guess I don't, I fail to see, like I do agree there's some value in like very, quickly and easily being able to sign up to some of these premium channels but like as a comcast subscriber or sorry xfinity subscriber that i am i already have the option of bolting on showtime hbo all these different premium channels on top of my cable subscription in an a la carte manner like there's nothing there's nothing new in channels that i can't already do it's specifically around like there's there's no savings that i can get in using apple's channels that i that i can't get through my existing cable subscription yeah the cable company thing really felt a lot like the, similarly to the photography thing where when it suits apple uh it, it it's a dead medium and it doesn't matter to anybody uh but when it, it when it is beneficial to them oh yeah it, it's a very important part of their component like to whatever they're trying to sell you yeah um yeah, uh, what else was there related to this? Oh, yeah, the big absence is Netflix because again, well, it, well, two things. Apple's been rumored for like the past like three years that like oh yeah, Eddie Q, like uh, Eddie Q is almost ready to unveil the skinny bundle and stuff, but the negotiations always fall apart because Apple always wants um, onerous and unreasonable terms that no sane business would agree to. And I guess this is maybe they're so they were desperate enough for to be able to introduce a service related to TV that they um, just launched with what this is versus whatever um, the ideal Apple skinny bundle was and, and just never materialized. So original content. Apple TV plus. 
So I'm sorry, is Apple TV Plus the name for their original stuff, or is Apple TV Plus includes channels? No. Or... So there is the new TV app, and inside of the TV app, there are channels, which is all this um, third-party content, as well as uh, iTunes content. Because, and I actually hadn't thought of this during the event, but lots of people pointed it out afterwards. You know, the way that it works today uh, is if you want to rent a movie or TV from iTunes, you, you do that in the iTunes store, but then you watch that content in the TV app. But so now that's all just going to happen right within the TV app. So that's that's one part. But then Apple TV Plus is going to be Apple's original content and presumably some type of like monthly subscription that you'll pay that also then lives in the TV app. Almost like another channel, I guess. <laughs> channels within channels. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so... This was always a wild card. Well, first, again, there's no pricing for any of this, so I can't. We, but the rumor has was always that people were debating: Oh, is Apple going to give this stuff away for free and just help and restrict it to iOS only platforms? And that's going to be just why they're doing this. And even though there's no pricing available for any of this, it does seem like this will probably be a paid for thing, and it'll just be called Apple TV Plus and. It'll launch in the fall for probably ten or fifteen dollars a month. I think. Yeah, it, it was it was described as being a subscription service during the event. So the, this is without a doubt going to be some type of paid service. And I, I really like uh, Jason Snell's thing about when you think about Apple unannounced pricing, you think about what it should cost, you add a little bit more to that. And then you add like a 20% premium on top of that. And then that's going to be the actual price. So, you know, I, I kind of think that it should be like a nine or $10 service. You add a couple bucks on top of that, make it 12, but then kind of round it up to 15. And that's probably what it's actually going to be. I really think they can't sell it for that much. Like, cause here's the thing where I, like, I know Apple always thinks they have the pricing advantage. Um, and in a lot of markets they do. But like Amazon Prime, Hulu, and especially Netflix and HBO, like they have so much content for that same price. Like even if you really want to watch these shows, they can't get away with $15 a month. Nobody cares. That's just too much money. Even a, a, a company like HBO, which to me is sort of like the most comparable type of service to something like Apple TV where... TV in terms Plus, of like the amount, rather. yeah, the amount of new content and how it's going to get staggered and released. Like where HBO generally only has like four shows that are new at any one time, right? But the, I think there's sort of but the catalog. Well, I was going to say there, there's two key differences. One is there's a long history of these high quality shows, so they've not only built up kind of a good reputation, but they've also now have this huge back catalog of shows. But then also the other thing is. There's a ton of new movies you can watch on HBO for free as well, or as, as part of your subscription. So Apple TV Plus is presumably not going to have some uh, catalog of new released movies. I mean, maybe they will, but I, I doubt it, because it seems like they would have talked about that in the event if that was going to be part of the offering, too. Um, and then the other thing is, all of this content, all we got was you know a, a quick little 
sizzle reel at the end and some of the stars of the shows coming out on stage and talking way too long about each of their shows. And that that's kind of all we know. And, and you know what? They might be great. They might be HBO quality shows. But at this point, we kind of just don't know. And it, it's kind of it's hard to ask people to spend something like 15 bucks on content that's just not proven yet. Yeah, like it, it could be great shows. I'm, I assume they've hired the right people and, and hopefully... Like, I know there was that New York Post story about Apple meddling too much, but I mean, whatever. It still is just, yeah, is is it a good, like, excuse, excuse the fact and, and um, what, what's the word? Uh, like, separate the fact that Apple is is a part of this, like, just comparing it on the merits of being yet another streaming service. Um, like, is it worth subscribing to? And that's where I think, like, there's no Apple cachet here. There's no, like, better user interface. There's no, like, <laughs> the, the Jennifer Aniston isn't going to be easier to watch or something because it's apple so there's no price premium you can command for that so if people don't want to subscribe like i mean if this were a show that was on hulu or amazon like would people sign up for hulu be to for eight dollars a month or whatever to watch it and i think like can you sell that for twice the price i think that's to be seen um and then again, we've talked, we talk about it literally every three weeks. Is Apple the best company to be doing this? Probably not. Like it does this speak to their core competencies. And is this something that only Apple can do? Not really. So, mm. I mean, it's it, Apple's in a unique position, like only a handful of other companies where the amount of capital and the amount of cash that they have to be able to hire the A-list type uh, talent like they have, that that's unique. Um, but just having the cash to do it, I don't, I don't know if that's enough of a, a reason to do it or not. We'll have, we'll have to just kind of see. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I, I am to, I guess, to maybe sort of end this on a, a positive note. I, I am actually interested to see a lot of the shows that they talked about. I, I think the, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, morning show, um, show. <laughs> I think that could potentially be good. Um, a, a quick, quick side note on that. Steve Carell doesn't age and it's really upsetting. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the one, uh, well, there were two that Jason keeps talking about. Um, the, the one about, uh, like everybody loses sight for a few generations and the space race one. Those both seem probably hopefully good i i agree I, I the space race one in particular which actually didn't get a ton of stage time i i really really want to see more about that show um the jason momoa show c that one i'm just i'm curious about just because they keep referring to it as the most expensive tv show ever produced and you know i'm i'm someone who regularly watches game of thrones and like as you're watching it you you can tell like yeah this must be a really really expensive show to make cuz it's it's basically like movie quality like high budget you know high action movie or a uh, yeah movie quality and i don't know given the premise of that show it's kind of hard to imagine why it's so expensive but um but yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious to to find out more about it. Yeah. Um. So to round this out, in terms of oh, and then Oprah, whatever. 
like I, I I really do enjoy Oprah, and but <sighs> well, it was it was hard because she, I mean she she was on stage a bit and you know kind of in very vague terms talked about what she wanted to do for the service, but there was no there was no video clips. There was really I mean like like so much of this event there was just detail missing. So we just kind of have to we just have to kind of see. Huh, that's funny. Um, because of the show that you were just talking about. Mm. Um, and the part that like, cause I, like, I, I, I think the, so I like, I like Oprah. I thought like the book club, like, I mean, you were alive in the nineties that, that used to be like, that was a gigantic thing. Um, and if, if they're able to effectively leverage that and either use like whatever FaceTime streaming or like Apple podcasts, like there's a way that they can make that a multi-platform experience would actually make that partnership a really, really cool thing um, for the person that uh, is in that like demographic that uh, would participate. But also, like uh, like so many of the celebrity uh, presentations, so many of them, but particularly the Oprah one, was so effusive about Apple, the company, and like how they're just literally so overjoyed to be working with the company. I don't know. That's, that... that uh, felt weird especially for somebody like oprah who again like could buy the entire midwest of the united states if she wanted to <sighs> is that it for the event yeah so how would, how would you rank them in terms of uh the products you, well actually so <laughs> so a- apple arcade as, as the most compelling thing yeah and then i i would put apple tv plus behind that because i am genuinely curious to see some of these shows i We've talked ad nauseum about whether it really makes sense for Apple to be doing this, but we now officially live in a world where they are, so it kind of just is what it is. And I'm, I'm, I am curious to see how these shows end up. Um, and and then I, I guess I would put channels behind that, followed by Apple News Plus, and then the Apple Card. Wow, you hate the card. I, the, I the like card, the card. The card has to be last. It has to be twenty four percent interest, low interest rates. Well, and no over limit fees. Uh, again, um, yeah, it was. It was just so yeah, so damn disingenuous. Um, all right, uh, we'll do chef specials, but I do want to congratulate you on having a phone that is now running on five G. Well, so. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because... Oh, well, what? Well, I still have an iPhone 8, so I'm still on 4G. Well, I guess actually, because I, I forgot that... So what I was going to say was I haven't seen the 5G logo since I've upgraded. Well, because you have to pull down on the right ear. Well, and then I'm connected with to Wi-Fi, so hold on. If I disconnect from Wi-Fi... Well, I guess maybe... I guess up here I won't. So I guess I have to test it maybe like at work tomorrow. When I'm in when I'm in San Francisco, because presumably oh, in, San Francisco in, in, in a five G market, right? in a five G market, yeah, it's San Francisco's one of them, right? I, I assume ATT has coast to coast five G. <laughs> so 5G. I'll I'll try to remember to to look at that at the office tomorrow. Uh, but related to that, I really really appreciate the Ars Technica story. Um, well, it, it wasn't Ars Technica that did the research, but um, ATT five G is slower than Verizon and T Mobile four G because it's not five G. <sighs> it's all fucking made up. And remember, there were there were no consequences last time when they pulled that shit with the iPhone 4s. 
Yeah, something something like that. Yeah. Nothing matters. You know, I think, you know, the Trump uh, the Trump administration, FCC, I think they're the ones that are going to enforce this. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, actually, I forgot we have our guy up there. Um. All right. So do you have anything before chef specials? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. You first. So I've got a chef special that you're really going to like because it, it very much ties into the Apple event and what we were talking about. Um, and I, I've specifically picked it for this week. Very interesting. Um, and that is the Chase Ultimate Rewards Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been using this for for a number of years now, and I've, I have actually just recently in the last year or so been been actually um, using the points a little bit more uh, frequently. It, it's it's an awesome credit card points program. It, it's kind of universally considered to be one of the better ones out there for travel um, in terms of the value that you get and the flexibility. Because um, not only can you use the points directly through Chase, and, and you do generally get more value doing it that way, but you also have one-for-one point transfers to a ton of different um, airlines, which is great under circum- certain circumstances if you can get like Sabre fares uh, directly through that airline. Um, and you, you mentioned is, this... Real quick, is that in real time? Like if you saw a flight that you wanted on a partner thing, or is there like a two-day thing no it it happens the i know for sure because I, I did this a little bit more recently the the point transfer like between different chase cards that happens right away and i want to say that the the transfers to a airline like i think they technically tell you it can, it can maybe take up to 24 hours but i think the one time that i did it it basically happened instantly um it happens quickly if not instantly um and you know like you mentioned this earlier you can there are certain types of cards where you can have better redemption uh value or you can you can have your points be worth more at the point of redemption and you can transfer points but if you have multiple chase cards anyway it, it's a it's a uh it's a really really uh good program and um I've, I've gotten a ton a ton of value out of it over the years but wouldn't you prefer to get three percent daily cash on every dollar you spend with apple you know i'm not the most patient person in the world carlos but i can wait until the end of my billing cycle where uh, the points are transferred into my account and and use them then for far more value than three percent uh absolutely agree uh the one knock i will put against it is um for the ultimate rewards travel portal um about three months ago or maybe at the beginning of the year actually which is three months ago um they switched to using expedia as the back end for uh, hotels and flights and it's in some ways better but it's in some ways worse like seat selection and a few other things have gotten worse since they made that transition it's kind of um, a, it's kind of annoying with the seat thing because you you only put in a preference but then you actually have to go directly to the airline to book an exact seat which like if you're booking on like United as an example, it's actually really easy to do because the flight instantly shows up in your mileage plus account and you can just quickly go in and, and pick a seat. It's kind of no big deal. It's an extra step, which is kind of annoying, but... Well, but can, can you do that immediately or do you have to wait for the 24 hours before, uh, before check-in? 
Well, so, well, I mean, with United specifically, obviously, this is assuming you didn't get one of the like basic economy fairs. But if you got like a regular <laughs> economy fair where you get to pick a seat, yeah, when you when you book the flight through Chase Ultimate Rewards, it instantly shows up when you log on to United.com, and you instantly have the ability to uh, pick your seat. Have we talked about basic economy before? I I feel like we we must have at some point. It is very. Very uh, 2019, and uh, it's 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 if Apple could get away with doing that kind of stuff, they absolutely would. No, uh, you cannot change your flight, you cannot pick your seat, uh, they punch you in the face, you can't have a carry on bag. Um, it it is, I don't, I don't see who would willingly do it. Like, I assume it's one of those things where probably it costs the company more to offer it than because of all the customer service costs of people not knowing what they're signing up for it's 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 bad and when i was like flying to chicago i, I remember like there was basic, basic economy and then the regular one in the flight was either it was like either 223 dollars or like 600 like the pricing was staggered in this really weird way for that one particular flight like i did i just it, it's it's very it's extremely customer hostile and i don't know how it actually makes them more money oh so did you actually use it oh god no no oh. i'm not getting stuck with a middle seat <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Ultimate Rewards pretty good, and I yeah, it it doesn't take a graduate degree to figure it out. It's just you you, you wait a month. Um, I have a lot of mini picks of the week, but I'm gonna go with maybe just one. Um, I'm gonna say the Logitech MX Ergo wireless mouse. So you can Google this, and then that will probably lead to a lot of questions. Uh, but this is a trackball mouse. Um, mm. People may remember trackballs from the 1990s. Um, it's surprisingly good. Um, the main benefits is for people with RSI, which I don't, but, uh, sometimes like if, I, if I'm doing a lot of repetitive stuff or working in Lightroom or Excel for a really long time, sometimes like you do get some wrist pain. Um, but yeah, I like this a lot. It takes a little bit of time to get used to, um, but it's very, very comfortable, uh, pretty customizable, feels really solidly built. Um, and yeah, like it a lot. Yeah, I use the MX, the Logitech MX Master mouse, which is quite quite similar to this in terms of design, but doesn't have the trackball. Yeah, like the the MX Master, it's like that's um, like the one that has like eight thousand different keys you can program, right? Um, not really. I mean, so I'm looking at mine. It's got um two or it's, it's got double trackballs or it's got double scroll wheels wasn't that a big it, thing it does yeah yeah but i i don't i don't ever use the side scroll wheel i just i use it because it's a super super comfortable mouse mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it's, it's it's pretty good um yeah and it will guarantee nobody can ever use your computer yeah you're you're really into recommending peripherals that take forever to get used to <laughs> wait what else that that ergonomic keyboard that you it was not you have learned how to type it literally it, took me so i've had it for it takes a day to get used to no way i i've had it for probably it's been like, i think it's been a little over two years now and i probably just got used to it like within the last six months then why'd you stick with it because it because it was comfortable yeah, like it's if you're if you're a, a like a home what, what do you call it what's the opposite of like hunt and peck typing uh, I don't correct typing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you type correctly, like if you don't look at the keys, 
like just your hands naturally rest that way. It's, I keep, um, a side note, and then we'll end the show. Um, if you look on Microsoft Sculpt, if you Google for Microsoft Sculpt Bluetooth keyboard, there's a new version of the Sculpt ergonomic keyboard, but the problem is that um, it's, uh, and the reason I would want it is that it has a an attached number, or an attached 10 key, but it has that um, weird Alcantara like fabric on the wrist rest uh, that the Microsoft Surface Books have. And apparently it gets dirty really, really easily and it looks super gross after a month of use. And also it's Bluetooth. Um, so it's less um, reliable like than the RF technology that the current one uses. But it's got a 10 key. Well, am I, am I, I have a 10 key on mine. But it's detached. It's detached on the one that I'm looking at here. Mm-hmm. On on the Microsoft Store. Let me send you the thing. Oh, okay. See, this is this is uh, something a little bit different than what I was looking at. Um, yeah, but I I have heard um, mixed things about these Microsoft keyboards which use Bluetooth. I guess there's some reliability issues with uh, OS ten. Yeah, and there's also like the power saving stuff. It like I don't know if you've ever used Bluetooth keyboards before, but like there's like it just takes if you haven't used it in a bit, like it takes like four seconds to wake up, so you miss keystrokes, and it's just weird sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, but no, the, the the ergonomic stuff is great. Yeah, I'm glad you stuck with it, and that you and props to you for buying the um the stickers. Oh yeah, no, those are those are necessary, and th- those actually I've I've been surprised at how durable those are. I haven't had any of them like chip away or peel off or anything. Mm-hmm. 